Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And as we step into the spring of 2021, I hope that you are ready for the challenges that it's going to bring. I hope that you have the heart and the mindset that nothing formed against you shall prosper. We're almost at the end of season two, and I hope that you have enjoyed my programs. I've hoped that you have learned something, and I hope that you have passed it on because the way our history stays alive is by being passed on from the elders to the young, just as it was in the olden days as they sat around the campfire and told the children how life was in the country that they came from, how they tried to describe the animals that roamed the land and the warm and peaceful days. This is how our history is passed on, my friends, and no other way. They will never learn our history in their schools. So let's accept these challenges this spring is about to bring while we fertilize our yards and plant our flowers with the knowledge that we are not now or ever alone. We overcame the slave ships and we shall overcome this COVID in this spring of 2021. And now my friends, before we slip into darkness, I'm gonna say this about Mr. Kurt Franklin and the problems that he is having with his son. Some of you seem shocked that Mr. Franklin would curse. Why are you upset about that? He's a man first, a gospel singer second. He is a sinner like all of us. And he has a punk for a son like many of us. And that's the only way I can describe him. Because any man that would do that to his father is not a man at all. How dare you? How dare you? The word is to honor thy mother and father. And I'm sure Mr. Franklin has taken care of you all of your cotton picking life. And you're going to turn around and do this to him? You're going to try to hit him? in his financial world. But the only thing you did, son, was make your father more popular than he already was. You just let black people know that he was one of us. It really astounds me how the generations of today think that we owe them something, think they they are entitled when they have already been given the greatest gift that any person can give another, and that is life. So Kurt, keep your head up, man. 
Don't let this bring you down. And when you see your son, go ahead and break your foot off in his ass. And then go straight down to your lawyer and have your will and your trust amended. Leave that punk nothing. No one made the path easy for you, so don't make it easy for him. And then maybe when he'll reach your age, he'll have the same mindset that you carry. 30-something years old and acting like that towards your father. How dare you? How dare you? I've hit it, and now I'm going to quit it, because it's time to learn something. Racial injustice like slavery and our system of mass incarceration were purposeful inventions. But many black folks tried to live comfortably in ignorance of America's racial history. We have not thoroughly thought about the bodies snatched from dirt and sand to be chained in a cell. We have not reckoned with the horrendous, violent, mass kidnapping that we call Middle Passage. We have not been honest about America's complicity, about the wealth the South earned on the backs of the slaves, or the wealth the North gained through the production of slave hands. We have not confronted the humanity, the emotions, the heartbeats of the multiple generations who were born into slavery and died in it, who never tasted freedom on America's lands. And the same goes for the Civil War. We refuse to honestly confront the fact that so many were willing to die in order to hold the freedom of others in their hands. We have not confessed that the end of slavery was so bitterly resented. The rise of Jim Crow became inevitable, and with it, belief in black inferiority that lives on in hearts and minds today. People, we have painted the hundred-year history of Jim Crow as little more than inconvenience that white people and black people could not drink from the same fountain. But those signs weren't just mean. They were reminders of the swift humiliation and brutal violence that could be suffered at any moment in the presence of whiteness. You see, my friends, Jim Crow meant paying taxes for services you could not fully enjoy, working for meager wages and owning nothing that couldn't be snatched away. It meant never building wealth and having no legal recourses for injustices. The mob violence, the burned-down homes, the bombed churches and businesses like Rosewood and Greenwood, and we won't even talk about the lynchings every couple of days. Yes, Jim Crow was walking through life measuring every step. Even our celebrations of the civil rights movement are sanitized because we have not acknowledged the bloodshed that often precedes victory. We would rather focus on the beautiful words of Martin Luther King than on the terror he and protesters endured 
at marches, boycotts, and from behind jail doors. We don't want to acknowledge that for decades, whiteness fought against every civil right black Americans sought, from sitting at lunch counters and to integrating classrooms to the right to vote and have a say in how our country was run. We don't want to acknowledge that just as black people who experienced Jim Crow are still alive, so are the white people who venomously protected it, who drew red lines around black neighborhoods and divested them from support given to average white citizens. We ignore the fact that white people still avoid black neighborhoods still don't want their kids going to predominantly black schools, still don't want to destroy segregation. The moment black people achieved freedom from enslavement, America could have put death to the idea of black inferiority. But whiteness was not prepared to sober up from the drunkenness of power over another people group. Whiteness was not ready to give up the ability to control, humiliate, or do violence to any black body in the vicinity, all without consequences. The reason we have not yet told the truth about the history of black and white America is that telling an ordered history of this nation would mean finally naming America's commitment to violent abusive, exploitation, immoral, white supremacy, which seeks the absolute control of black bodies, it would mean doing something about it. Because, my friends, the truth will set you free every time. But many of us do not believe this. We live as if we are afraid, acknowledging the past will tighten the chains of injustice rather than break them. We live as if the ghosts of the past will snatch us if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So instead, we walk around the valley, talk about the valley, while all the time, the only chance we have of dismantling racial injustice is being more curious about its origins than we are worried about our comfort. James Baldwin said, to be black in America is to live in a constant state of rage. And he's right. Because it's rage-inducing to be told that we can do anything we put our minds to when we work at companies where no one above middle management looks like us. It is rage-inducing to know that I'm being judged at every turn. When I am late to work, when I choose to eat my lunch alone, if we just look at the statistics of living, we find a lot of racial disparities that have persisted over decades. Wages, home ownership, job accessibility, health care, treatment by law enforcement, and the list goes on. But for us, this is not just statistics. They are the facts of life. For us and our mothers, 
our sisters, our friends, and neighbors. Meanwhile, whiteness twiddles its thumb with shallow apologies. In the minds of whiteness, half-baked efforts at diversity are enough. It is better than slavery, better than Jim Crow. What more could black people possibly ask than this? To not be overly subject to the white will. It is hard to become in a world made for whiteness. By the time the era of Black Lives Matter began, I was already familiar with the theory that racism never went away. It just evolved. But as I stared at my screen in horror and sadness, watching Black residents being treated like enemies of the state, it seemed to me that racism hadn't evolved at all. Instead of confronting Black residents on horseback with nightsticks, police now showed up in tanks with automatic rifles strapped to their backs. It was frustrating and sad, and yet it all seemed so familiar. Like you had been there before. Like your parents had been there before. Like your grandparents had been there before. We have to be eternally grateful to the ancestors who carried the unbearable weight of slavery. We have to be grateful for those who lived and loved and worked and played before there was any talk of a national movement to secure equal civil rights. I am grateful for my mom and dad escaping the Jim Crow South. I am also grateful for my ancestors who raised them and put the thought in their head to leave. I am grateful to my mother who saw a picture of the bridge leading from Kentucky to Cincinnati and made a promise to herself that one day she would cross that bridge. I am grateful, but I am not impressed with America's progress. I am not impressed that slavery was abolished or that Jim Crow ended. I feel no need to pat America on its back for these achievements. This is how it should have been. Many call it progress, but I do not consider it praiseworthy that only within the last generation did America reach the baseline for human decency because the killing of black people is still too familiar because the racist rhetoric that black people are lazier, more criminal, more undeserving than white people is still too familiar because the locking up of disproportionate number of black bodies is still too familiar because the beating of black people in the streets is still too familiar. History is collapsing on itself once again. I was into my first week as a senior at South High School in Akron, Ohio on September the 15th, 1963. 
when a bomb tore through the walls of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Inside, black congregation members had been preparing for their Sunday service, unaware that members of the Ku Klux Klan had laid sticks of dynamite under the church's stairs. Twenty-two people were injured in the plan attack, and four little girls were killed. What is so ironic about this event is that it was only two weeks earlier that Martin Luther King had given his I Have a Dream speech in Washington. The world was changing and the segregationists who worshipped at the altar of white supremacy could not contain their hatred and frustration. And I can remember the frustration and hate that dwelled in the black community as well. I remember my mom and dad being so mad. I remember my mom crying. I remember my brother stating that he did not want a white person to cross the threshold of his house. And although there had been bombings before, this was the first one to prove deadly. White folks were making a clear statement that they would rather see black people die violent deaths than attend school with their children. White Americans do not know this kind of terror while generations of Blacks have known nothing but. Once again, that music tells me that it is that time, my friends. But before I go, I would like to leave you with this thought. In this country, on this planet, it's a crime to be Black. It's a crime to be Black. It's a crime to be black, punishable by death. Until next time, it has been my honor. <laughs>